morning, church. It's hard to believe that next week is daylight saving, right? I mean, I just got all my cars changed over and got the clocks right on my cars. And I got to turn around and do it again. Maybe we should just leave them. Just not mess with it. Maybe we should just leave daylight saving alone. That'd be a novel idea. All right. Well, let's... um, I want to encourage you to continue to press into the Easter season. We're just four or five weeks away. Just really want to strongly encourage you that maybe even in your own personal preparation that you would really evaluate and consider what it means for you and your 40. 40 is a, is a number that God used throughout Scripture and throughout history to change lives and change nations. And so I would encourage you to, um, if you didn't, again, didn't get that email, please let me know. I can send it to you and um, consider what your 40 might be in preparation for the Easter season. Again, it's not too late to start and do this throughout the year, but it's just a good season to have some um, meaningful time with the Lord in preparation for the Easter season. So uh, what's the word for our church? What's the word for our church? What is it? And there's a lot going on in the world, isn't there? A lot. A lot of good stuff. I don't know if you've uh, seen the movie Jesus Revolution, but you need to do that. Um, there's there's some, some pretty decent um, Christian flicks out there, if you will. This is really good. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. Um, and it's just, it's just a, an amazing representation of people encountering God. It's the history of Calvary Chapel, if you don't know that, Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel back in the 70s and the Jesus movement, and out of that sprang some roots for the Vineyard movement. Um, Pretty amazing, though, seeing people desperate in their need and God turning things around and them encountering him as a result. I encourage you to see it. So I don't know if you heard, um, just uh, some news that happened in the church family over the weekend. Angela and Eric were in a car accident on Friday night, totaled their truck. By God's grace, they are still alive. Uh, you don't usually run 65 mile an hour on the interstate, get hit or hit the cement embankment and live through that, or at least live through it well. Uh, they went to ER, got checked out, and moved out rather quickly. And so... Um, Pretty grateful that God is saving someone and God is healing someone. Amen. So the verse that we have been studying, the verse that we've been meditating on and working through is Matthew 6.33. And I think we will have it up on the wall behind us. Yes. And let's read that together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let's say it again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. really want to commend uh, some of you. Many of you have been asking questions. You've been trying to take to heart some of these teachings about the priorities of life and valuing um, and the value of prioritizing what we do with our lives, choices that we make, our time, our resources, especially our money. Uh, like I said, some of you have been asking me questions about that. That's a good thing. Um, you know, money is a central heart issue in the gospel. Um, it's one of the most discussed subjects in 
the Gospels. We've mentioned over the last few weeks the words of Jesus who said in Matthew 6, we can't serve God and money at the same time. His caution, is, as he would put it, would be that we wouldn't be enslaved to our wealth or the pursuit of it, but we would be willingly enslaved to the leadership of God in our lives. So this obviously being a very important aspect of our walk with Jesus because not only is it a central heart issue in the gospel, if you do the research, you'll find that there are over 800 direct references to money and over 2,000 plus references to financial issues in Scripture. So I want you to listen to some words. I, I was just kind of doing some, some looking and searching for some comments along these lines, and there was a man named Brandon Park, and he wrote this article. He said this, I just finished reading a book filled with Bible verses on money titled God and Money, How We Discovered True Riches at Harvard Business School by Gregory Balmer and John Cortines. It's a great read full of scriptural truth. One of the things that stood out to me, though, about this book was the work of Howard Dayton. In 1973, Howard, a successful businessman, began doing a study on, on the, in the Bible and categorized all the scriptures that talk about money and possessions into a single topical index. The result is a culmination of 2,350 scriptures that talk about money and our use of it. And Mr. Dayton said, that study radically and permanently changed me from worshiping money to worshiping Christ. Since then, Howard has helped reach over 50 million people with biblical truth of how we manage God's resources. Now, as he goes on, he says, think about this. There are 500 Bible verses containing to the topics, pertaining to the topics of faith and prayer yet 2,350 Bible verses on money. Why is that? Well, because God knows that our attitude toward money is an indication of where our heart is with him. We either follow after gold or we follow after God. We cannot serve two masters. We will either turn to our wallet or to our worship when we look to the source of our security. But we have to remember Money is to be just a resource, but it is not to be my source. God wants to be our source. God wants to be your source. He wants us to learn that if we will lay down our financial security down on the altar of sacrifice, that that sacrifice can lead to a greater blessing in life as Jireh, as our provider. You know, I've, you've heard this before, and, and I know it sounds kind of trite, but, you know, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need your money. I mean, he owns it all anyway, but he has entrusted it to us. And he wants us to learn how to trust him back with it. Uh, is Evan Townsend in the room? I didn't think I saw him come in. All right. Okay. He was supposed to share this morning. You tell him I'm after him right now. And if you're listening, Evan, it's on you, brother. No, Evan had, and again, this was, was part of something that I had actually heard him personally. I'd gone into the student room last fall, and uh, he had been asked to share about one of his favorite traits of God, favorite attributes, and that attribute was Jaira. He loves the name of Jaira, and then he shared a little bit about how God has used that in his life to not only just to 
just magnify who God is as Jireh, his provider, but how God made some ways in his financial uh, life cycle and shown, shown himself as his provider. So we'll maybe do that next week. So everything that we've been looking for so far, all the scriptures about priorities and how we prioritize the use of our resources and money is really kind of simple. Learn to love the Lord God with all your heart. Seek him above all things, and he will take care of you. Trust him, not your money. Trust him to be your source. Do good things with the money he's given you to help others. Be an investor in the kingdom, not merely a consumer. And if he asks you to give away what you have, trust that he's faithful and just to restore you. Because after all, he has plenty. So I just said something, and I want to rephrase it because I want us to go into um, just this part on blessing. God wants us to learn that if we can lay down our financial security on the altar of sacrifice, that sacrifice can lead to greater blessing in our lives. So we're going to look at three passages. That sounds really good, right? Like being blessed. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Like, I want to be blessed, don't you? I mean, we all want to be blessed, right? We want to be blessed. We want to receive blessings. Well, let's just look at this real quick and see what Scripture teaches us about blessing. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 28. We're going to be in Leviticus 25, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Then we're going to start in Deuteronomy. If you fully obey the Lord your God... And carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns, your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. So how do you receive the blessing if you fully obey the Lord God and carefully keep all of his commands? Basically, it's pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory. Obey and sacrifice and do what he asks and you'll be blessed. Leviticus 25, verse 18. If you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Then the land will yield large crops and you'll eat your fill and live securely in it. But you might ask, What will we eat during the seventh year? He's talking about the year of Jubilee. Remember, we talked about that several years ago in our 50th anniversary that we never got to pull off because of COVID. But anyway, in the 50 year of Jubilee, they were to give the land rest and they were not to to plant or or harvest from the land. And so they're they're questioning that. But, you, you know, how will we eat in the seventh year since we're not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured that I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year so that the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, you'll be eating from the large crop from the sixth year. In fact, you'll still be eating from the large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year. What's the cycle here? Sacrifice, obey, hear the word of the Lord, follow the word of the Lord. You'll be blessed. Mark chapter 10 Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turned to him and said, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not 
testify falsely, must not cheat anyone, honor your father, your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was uh, just young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell and he went away very sad for he had many, many possessions. Now Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible for any of you to be saved, but with God, everything is possible. And Peter spoke up, which he would. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. And Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the good news will receive now in return 100 times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution, he added. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. I've said this before, and I want to reassure you and keep talking and driving this point home. God is not, Jesus is not talking and teaching against money here or against possessions or lots of possessions. But he is repeating the same theme that we just saw in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, if we're willing to obey his words and make the sacrifices of following his word, then blessing will come. He's not saying that if you're rich, you can't go to heaven. But he is saying that your riches can keep you out of heaven because you're going to look for one source or the other. Either your resources will be your security or he will be your security. See, the young man certainly obeyed quite a few of the commandments, but he was unwilling to make the sacrifices necessary to follow Jesus completely. Now, there's a thread here, obviously, that I'm trying to to play out for you. I'm trying to just show you in these three passages, and actually these are throughout all Scripture, but the thread is this, obedience to his word, sacrifice, and blessing follows. Obedience to his word, sacrifice, and blessing follows. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but there's an acronym, OSB. How many of you have ever heard of OSB? Anybody ever heard of OSB? Material building for house? Yes, OSB? Come on. Seriously? Tim, you're the only one in the room. How many of you have heard of OSB? Thank you very much for participating. Okay, OSB is a type of, of plywood-looking wood. It's a pressed, compressed wood that it's on, you can put it on the side of a wall. You can put it on your roof deck. In fact, that's what they put on the roof deck when they replaced all the wood pieces that were bad and rotten when we got our new roof last summer. Yay, thank God, because all this rain would have... Lord have mercy, did we do the right thing at the right time. I was standing in here with all the torrential rain Friday... I mean, torrential, you know it. You heard it in your house or wherever you were. And I looked out in the play yard and I said one more time, thank you, Jesus, that we got that taken care of. Otherwise, all that water would have been backing into the church probably. Thank you, Jesus, that we made that decision when we did and moved ahead in faith 
So OSB is a building material. It's a very important building material in building a structure or a house. You with me? OSB. It's also a very important piece of your spiritual discipline of building your spiritual house. Obedience to his word, sacrificing to follow his word, and the blessing follows. I'm thinking that hopefully you won't forget that. That was kind of the idea for the whole struggle there. OSB. And some of you are going to go home and go, hey, I know what OSB is now. I didn't know until today. I have been taught something in church. So we talk a lot about blessing and being blessed in Christian circles, right? I mean, we can get into our Christianese conversation. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I've gone up to pastors, leaders, different people. I'm not criticizing, but you know, you say, hey, man, how you doing? Man, I'm blessed. What does that mean? I mean, I kind of think I know what that means, but man, I'm blessed. If I was any better, I'd be in heaven. Okay. What's that mean? What does blessing mean? We pray and we ask for his blessing. We bless each other. Does it mean that when we are blessed that everything goes well? Does it mean that when we are, we are blessed, nothing goes wrong? Does it mean that when we're blessed, we have prosperity and wealth and health and everything's perfect? God's favor? I think at some level that blessing can kind of indicate some of those things, but unfortunately we kind of want to look to those things that hopefully the blessing of God is financial favor and blessing of life and health and all that. But it's not necessarily you go back to Jesus' original teaching in Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, what did he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, and so forth and so on. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. And Jesus is using this word blessed, and he's talking it about, about a place of contentment. He's talking about a place of satisfaction. He's talking about a place of being well off and fortunate, not in a worldly sense, but in a spiritual sense. Then there's the word blessing when you've heard me do baby dedications and we talk about blessing the family or blessing the child and and, and this comes from an Old Testament principle where the fathers would bless their sons and, and bless their children. And, and it's the idea that that blessing is like a catalyst or a chemical agent that sets something into action. You bless your child and, and hopefully there's this reaction of a future reaction and action to it. Because as we know, our words have the power of life and death, right? And then third... And this is what's really important this morning. Third, Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28. God in the creative order, he's, he's talking about creating all these things. And he talks about creating man in his image. And then what did he do? He said, what? He blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. In fact, if you look at that, everything that he created, he blessed. But what's important is as he blessed mankind and blessed the animals, what that means is that God granted the power to us, to the animals even if you will, to do what he wants us to do and intends for us to do. When he blessed it, he set it into motion and now that 
individual or that person or that animal has the power to carry it out because God spoke it into him. So, God speaks to us, his people, and tells us what he wants. And we sacrifice and we obey, and then he blesses. So, what's the next right thing here? What's the next right thing for you and I as we're talking about this this morning? Obey, make sacrifices, and the blessing that comes. I think, again, what we kind of want to do is we kind of want to take the blessing part out and say, hopefully God will just bless me. And, 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 and kind of like the, the man who was wealthy and went to Jesus and asked the question about how do I get eternal life, it's, he didn't want to make the sacrifices. We're, we're a lot like that. We just kind of want the blessing, but we don't want the work that goes with it. I'm going to tell you about a story of a man that got lost in the desert. Maybe you've heard this before. How many of you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Zig Ziglar. He's long since passed away, but motivational speaker. I actually thought that was really his name, but it's not. It was Hillary Hinton, and I understand why he changed his name. Hillary Hinton Ziglar. So he caught this nickname in grade school, and he stuck with it, Zig Ziglar. I'm kind of glad he did. Anyway... Story goes like this, and again, he's used the form of this story in his motivational talks. There's a man on a journey that eventually got lost in the desert. The water in his flask had run out days before, and he was really literally on his last leg. And he knew that if he didn't need water pretty soon, he was surely going to die. Extremely weary, the man suddenly saw a shack ahead of him. And being in the desert, he thought it might be a, a mirage or a hallucination or something, but in, he, he just didn't have any other source of hope, so he just thought, well, I'll move towards it, and maybe it is, and I don't know, but he really didn't have any other options. So as he moved closer and closer toward it, he realized that, yeah, it was not just a mirage or a hallucination, it really was a shack. And so he went to the shack, and he opened the door, and realized that it was not occupied, and that it had been abandoned for quite some time, it appeared. So the man entered, and he was hoping against all hope that there might be something in there, some water, some kind of a, and then all of a sudden he looked over, and there was a water pump. And he saw this water pump, and it seemed that the pipe was going down through the floor, and that hopefully this, this would be tapped into a water source. And he had no idea, but he began working the pump, and, and at first no water came out, and he just kept at it, and still nothing, he kept at it, and still nothing, and finally, and frustration and exhaustion. He threw up his hands and he just kind of fell back on the floor and he just knew his time was up. He was going to die. And all of a sudden he looked over and there was this bottle over in the other corner of the shack and it looked like it was filled with water. It was corked up to keep it from evaporating and there was a note tied to it. So he uncorked the bottle, and he wasn't looking at the note at the time. He was just so desperate, and he was just thinking about just taking down this life, giving water. And then he noticed that paper that was kind of standing out, and he had to, bottom line, just kind of look at it in order to be able to get the water down. And the words on the note said this, use this water to prime the pump. And don't forget to fill the bottle when you're done. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, I'm about to die. 
from dehydration. I haven't had water in days. I've got water here in this bottle. And if I pour out this water and prime the pump, what if the pump doesn't work? Kind of faced with this dilemma. What do I do? Began to look at the instructions again. Maybe, maybe these words, maybe, maybe the word is true. Maybe, maybe this is what I need to do. And so he took a risk. He literally sacrificed. And he poured the water in. And he began pumping the pump. And then all of a sudden he heard this gurgling sound. And water became, started gushing up and out. And it was more water than he could imagine ever. He just literally took it in and was so grateful that he was going to live. So after drinking and feeling obviously much better, he looked around the shack and he found this pencil. And he also found a map of the region, which was very helpful. And the map showed that he was still very far away from his destination. But now at least he knew which direction to go and how much time he would need. So he filled his flask for the journey ahead. And he also filled the bottle and put the cork back in it. Because of his sacrifice and obeying the words that were written, he was blessed with life. You know, it's really interesting in that story. It plays out exactly as everything Jesus has just taught us. OSB. Obey my words. Follow the instructions. You have to sacrifice. You have to step out in faith in that. I mean, there's sacrifices that you and I are going to always make when we hear the word of the Lord, read the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is spoken into our hearts. But every time we do, God's blessing flows. And, and again, I just want to encourage you as, as we close this out this morning, you know, and, and to think about this. What is, what is your source of security? I, when I read that earlier about is it, is it your wallet or, or, or worship, you know, I thought that was really good because, you know, again, I, I think sometimes we don't realize where our security is until we're faced with some times that seem very desperate. And then where do we place our full trust and hope in what? And in who? You know, here recently, um, some of us have been planting some seeds, right? That, you know, you've seen this before. You, you've seen a mustard seed, right? Isn't that crazy? I don't know whether that's an index finger or, or I think that's probably an index finger. I hope it's an index finger. It looks like one. But that's a mustard seed on the tip of your index finger. Obviously magnified, but mustard seed. Jesus said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That's all the faith that it takes to do the mighty exploits of God. And I think sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, man, do I even have that much faith? And that's kind of really almost embarrassing in it when you think about it and look at that and keep that perspective. Well, surely I got more faith than that. And I think to myself, would I have the kind of faith that it would take to be desperate and almost thinking that I may not make it if I gave away my last amount of resource? 
that I would trust that God would replenish that? So that's really ultimately what I want to do in wrapping up all of this message. I promise we're not going to talk about money for quite a few more months yet. All I'm going to do is encourage you and we're going to challenge you because we do have some windows that we think are needed to be replaced. We already have somebody who's jumped on the bandwagon and said, hey, I'm going to give the first amount. Isn't that awesome? That's really awesome. You know, we haven't even done any kind of a campaign and somebody already said, I want to give towards those windows. That's important. You're darn right. If you sit on that side of the building, you know how important it is. You feel the wind beneath your wings. And it's not supposed to be that way right now inside. We've been planting seeds and we've been mustard seeds of faith that, that, that what God wants to do in this house and in this church, that, that if, we, if we obey his word, we do what he tells us to do, not only his spoken word, but his, his written word. I mean, God speaks to his people, amen? You believe that? He prompts you, he speaks to you, and if we obey. Make the sacrifice necessary and the blessing will come. And, and it's not always like we think, because again, we, we want to do the kind of the, the trade-off, you know, like, well, okay, well, if I'm giving $100, which I did a couple weeks, surely he'll give me three or 400 back, right? That's kind of the mental mindset, right? The humanity of us. <laughs> Although it was classic. Two of my grandkids came up this morning and handed me this play money. That's good. Somebody's paying attention, right? Uh-huh. I haven't seen any of the rest of you come up here with any money. Pretty good, huh? Not just because they're my grandkids, but just they're paying attention. They're listening. I didn't tell you this. If you could, Do you think you could pull up Matthew chapter 17, Fred? And I can't even tell you where to begin. I think it's back maybe in if you 20, somewhere in there. Anyway, it's the story of Jesus with his disciples and the Pharisees. Yeah, go to verse 27. Jesus and his disciples, and he's talking to them, and, and, and one of the Pharisees approaches him about paying taxes. And um, don't your disciples pay taxes and so they have this chat and this talk conversation and, and discussion and so Peter is just like probably really confused, like, how are we gonna do this? I mean, I think we're supposed to pay our taxes, isn't that the right thing to do? And so Jesus goes on and he's saying, Go down the lake and throw in a line and open the mouth of the first fish that you catch. Well, first of all, I don't fish that much, really not at all. But I can't imagine getting that fish and opening it up and going, whoa, there's a gold coin. But that's what Jesus had instructed him to do because he wanted to teach him a principle of faith. And, and, and the thought come to me, and, and this is in a devotional that Lisa and I read, but you know, the thought came to me you know, about that is that would I be willing to have that much faith that, that, that if I didn't have it, that God would call me to do something very radical and very outside the box in order for that blessing to come back to me. 
But I think when we're talking about obedience to his word and sacrifice and blessing, I think sometimes that's what we have to gather into our mindset, that, that, that it may not come back through the ordinary ways or the ordinary paths, but God might just call us to do something really radical and really different before that blessing ever enters the door. I am so grateful that many of you are planting seeds of faith and believing in the work of the kingdom of God here in this church. God is doing something. He is moving mountains and making a way. He's saving someone. He's healing someone. I believe that with all my heart. I don't see it often in front of me visibly, but I just know that I know that I know that he's doing those things, right? As we close out this morning, I would like if we have all the worship team in here. Yes, most of you, 90% of you. All of us, awesome. Come back, let's do, uh, let's do the great I am. <clears throat> I need some of you to pray diligently for my head and my heart and, and my soul right now. There's there's like this this phrase that's been driving me nuts, and I've told Rebecca about it um, too. But the great I am, the God who can, and I can't get rid of that phrase. So there must be a song there or something. So you need to pray for me that I can sort my wild, crazy brain out so that something would fit in there that would work musically and vocally. But He's the great I am, the God who can, and. Um, so this is a good thing to close out on. Because demons flee in his presence. Mountains shake. Man, I long for that, don't you? You see the power of God so rich and so strong and so heavy that it's visible. You can just see it. You can sense it. And again, I think it happens more often than we realize. I think, I think we kind of almost frame it a certain way that we miss some of the small things. I first got the text from Angela and Eric, and I went, oh, my goodness sakes. I mean, Lisa and I, should we travel? Should, they were in Dayton, Ohio. Should we, should we get in the car and go? What should we do? And within minutes, yeah, we're checking out of the ER. We're good. And again, you don't run 65 mile an hour get in a wreck and usually come out too well. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Stand together. Open up blind eyes. The lame would walk.
mountain shake before you the demons running free at the mention of your name king of majesty there is no power in hell or anyone come on church before you. He comes behind you. He's on either side of you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
He will always keep you in the palm of his hand. OSB, you know what it is now, right? You know what it is, right? Obedience to his word. Make the sacrifices necessary that he calls you to. His blessing will come. His favor will come. His goodness will follow you all the days of your life. Amen.